0: Hey, everybody, welcome back to the podcast, where I bring you the best and the brightest in the world of business marketing and entrepreneurship to help you harness your inner tenacity to drive your career forward. Folks, I have a very, 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 very special show for you all today, all about the Miami tech scene. As you guys know, I love to experiment with the podcast live show format. And today I have the honor and privilege of interviewing one of my closest friends, Chris Adamo. Chris, I think we've known each other for, I think, 20, 25 years he was a groomsman at my wedding. I was a groomsman at his down in Costa Rica. That was epic. We've been on some crazy, crazy um life adventures. And we're not going to talk about any of that stuff. That's a late <laughs> night show. Maybe, maybe one time for the late night show, we'll we'll talk about Tijuana, but I don't think we will actually. Um, but we're gonna talk about his career, which has been awesome. And then, as I mentioned earlier, welcome two incredible Miami-based tech founders, Brian Brackeen and Max Tushman. Tushman? How does she pronounce her name? <clears throat> How does <the> Max <throat> pronounce her? Tuckman, yes, for a panel discussion on all things Miami Tech. So let's do this. And Chris has had quite the career journey himself from his early days in Queens and working in New York City to making the big move to Miami in 2012 with his wife to now being one of the most influential voices in the insanely rapidly growing Miami Tech scene. He's a super active angel investor and advisor in dozens of high growth startups, as well as the founder, founding partner of Wolfpack Capital. Pretty cool. He's a chief. So business of capital flamingo capital oh we got to get the update on that one we uh, pack in there hmm. i don't know i gotta get my facts straight here um but we're gonna talk about all that his years growing up in new york and a lot more and chris as we mentioned lives down in miami with his beautiful wife randy and two amazing sons Ryder and booker chris we have a mutual yes. love for our mets who are playing brian's reds and we'll talk about that in a little bit but let's get <laughs> to it i'm excited to pack his career journey unpack his career journey Chris Adamo, welcome to the podcast, finally.
1: Oh, man, this is lovely. Good to be back in the hot seat with you.
0: It is the hot seat. I could do it like a like a rapid fire show. But, you know, on, on this show, it's been a long time coming. Um, I love to talk about career journeys because I think that's really <clears> where <throat> the gold is. Understanding where we came from and those lessons learned. And I want to take it all the way back. Let's take it back to consumer value stores. Let's take it back to the CBS days, right? Wow. Because it's important. Wow. It's important that we talk about these early first jobs that we all had. Some of them we love, some of them we're proud of, some of them I don't speak of. I never talk about my job at this little company, Vitamin Water, enough. And how I lost my job there and all the stock options I would have had there. Oh. But it's those early jobs, those early lessons where we really learned so much, but it's not till looking back, you know, 20, 25 years later. So looking back at your time there, where you not only manage stores, but you manage people and you train mm-hmm. there. Um, what was one of those learnings that you haven't realized until right now? You're like, shit, thank God I had that job. If I didn't have that job, I wouldn't have learned X, Y, and Z and, and kind of been in this position I'm in now.
1: I mean, I really learned that I didn't want to work in in-person retail ever again. <laughs> <laughs> that was, I mean, that was a tough job. I was working i was working like 60-hour weeks as a 22-year-old managing 50 people, most of the folks who were way older than me, which is a trip uh, at a young age. And, uh, you know, middle of Times Square in Manhattan, crazy, crazy stories. Once I got Robbed at knife
0: point. You there, man? You there, buddy? Did I lose you there, Chris? Chris, you lost me. I'm so sorry. Well, we're at knife point here. So once we held up at knife point, and I think you <laughs> told oh, me the wait. story, like they, like they train you, just give them the money. It's not your money. Oh
1: yeah, I'm like, here's the keys to the office. Here's the code. Do whatever you want. <laughs> Yeah. The only one in the catch is like, here you go, and, and they left, which is nuts. So our neighbor was the police station. Right next door to me was the police
0: station. So they they robbed you next to the police station. That takes some balls. It was That's wild. True. It was wild. Yeah. I mean, but you that mentioned was one of many stories. But you mentioned something interesting, which was um being able to manage up and down from a from a from an age standpoint, and, and you managed folks that were much older than you. How did you kind of learn to lead people that were older? How did you gain their respect and trust?
1: Oh my god, it was all about like empathetic learning by doing the things with them a few times, like getting your hands dirty, dealing with them. Like, hey, I'm with you in, in the dirt. And they respect that so much. I'm like, this person's doing the stuff. They're stocking the shelves with me. They're here late night. They're here early with me. Like they're not just like taking checks and like, you know, saying, hey, do this for me. So I always learn to do everything with the person a lot of times and just listen. You know, hear what they're talking about. See what, what the complaints are and like kind of like kind of meet them where they are. And uh, that was so valuable at a young age to kind of see that. And how had a deal it, with folks who are
0: younger older than you. Yeah, and I think that's a, an invaluable lesson to, to listen. Because so many of us when we're younger, I know me, it's like I literally just had my fingers in my ears and I just wanted to, <laughs> to, to hear myself talk. And and it was a tough lesson to learn. So let me ask you, you know, a, after CBS, you, you landed over at 1-800-Flowers. I think there might have been a stop or two in between. But oh, let's get to one. yeah, let's get to 1-800-Flowers because you spent eight years at 1-800-Flowers, which, which I consider one of the really early... Uh, leaders in the, in the direct-to-consumer space, mm-hmm. really uh, pioneering direct-to-consumer sales. What did you learn in those eight years about consumer marketing?
1: I, I learned a lot about trying new things early and getting in on the earliest thing you possibly can possibly get in for very low cost. Meaning like low cost, of like it's not going to hurt us if it fails. Um, and we would kind of dip our toes into like everything from like selling goods on Facebook to selling flowers in Second Life to e-gift cards to back-end reward programs to selling uh, just and bouquets. Um, it kind of again, I was trying new ways to make money for them, and I, I owe, owe a lot to Jim McCann. Who I talk to pretty much every week to so this day. Um, he yeah. would take my ideas from like just passing in the hallway to like putting them into action, um, which you don't see a lot. of CEOs doing. Like, I mean, back then at least, now probably it's more common. But um, I was just a kid who was working on the sales team, so I had a lot of uh, ideas that I want to get in, into the world, and he, t- he took them and said, "Go, go try them." You know, and that was great to see that happening at a public company. No
0: yeah, for real. And, and rewind on something that you said before that you still currently have a relationship and talk to the CEO, you know, oh, yeah. and I think that's something really important that you and I both have in common. And I think is a pillar to our success is that we both understand, not just understand it's a it's a cornerstone of my success is long term relationships and how to build them and maintain them. And, you know, I talk about it all the time, like so many people these days are 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 transactional and so you know, focused on immediate gratification and the likes and the vanity, and everything that they forget about the value of long-term relationships. It's funny, Brian in the green room down there where him and I were talking, he said, he's known you for 10 years already.
3: Yeah. yeah they think about that,
0: Those relationships that you've built in, in, in just the, the, the last 10 years. I mean, why do you think, why do you think so many people, I'm not just talking about, you know, millennials, Gen Z's. I mean, every generation now, there's a lot of people that are, you know, so short-sighted and in yeah. transactional.
1: It takes a long time. I mean, I met Jim McCann almost, 20 years ago at this point and uh you know we weren't close when i was working there we were, we were friends but like you know i wouldn't say i like, call him every week now right. that i do it's like it took years to get to that point and like you put in small amounts of work and they add to the over time um and then you know at the time i probably didn't have much value to him you know now we're investing in things together which is super cool to do um and you know we're, again we're learning from each other's backgrounds now as i do things in, on startups doing things you know, you know still have flowers so um same with Brian. You know, like, we. I've known you for a long time, but I think now we're even closer than we've ever been before. So you know, it's, it takes a long time to get to get closer to, to, to folks, and you kind of got to you know be the, the person to to kind of keep the relationship going and talk to folks and present opportunities when they come their ways and they're actually meant for that person. Yeah. Um, so I always trying to like be that kind of like I'm like, oh, is this, is this good for Brian? I'll send to him. Great, you yeah. know. And then you know, people are happy when you kind of present those opportunities to them.
0: Right. it's it, it's a it's a mindset practice to keep other people in mind, as I always say. And it becomes second nature when you see an article, when you hear something, and another another really big thing that you and I, I this is probably the most is you and I are, are are power connectors. We are connection conduits. And I always say when I see two people talk, when I see somebody, it's kind of like the Matrix. I see like a bubble over their head. I'm like, how does this person not know that person? Or maybe they do, <laughs> and I need to make sure I need to make sure that they're connected. And like you, like I don't care if I make a single penny off it because I believe in relationship karma, and I'm pretty sure you do too. That is mm-hmm. always going to come back to us tenfold, a hundredfold and making and making those connections. So let's fast forward, you know, eight years and eight hundred flowers and Hurricane Sandy comes and disrupts New York. And you and Randy were like, screw it. We're going we're going back <laughs> to Randy's hometown, back to South Florida. Um, what was that like for you? Were you, were you scared to, to just pick up and, and, and move down there and start something new? What was that like, man?
1: I was so excited. I mean, I'm always, I love, I actually love change, which is weird. As a kid, I moved every year, my mom, single mother. So I would love to go new, new neighborhood, new friends, new opportunities. I didn't see it as a downside. Um, I was lucky. Randy grew up here. So she had a big existing network of people that she knew. So I was kind of had a nice landing spot for sure in Miami and, you know, we came up here on vacations. I'm like, oh, this is amazing. We're going to like spring training, we're going to like yeah. concerts outside, we're going to an you know, amazing restaurant. Like, this is, I wasn't doing that much. You know, in, in New York, you get kind of like bogged down with things in New York, you get stuck in a little hole in like your little, like, kind of like happy Eesh. little place. Um, um, I think in Miami, I was forced to like find new ways to kind of explore my own curiosities and, and people. Um, so it's kind of a nut blessing to go somewhere new to kind of have that chance again.
0: I lost you. I think you're on mute. There we go. Could you hear it? There we go. You know, you think you think about that big shift. Um, Did you have a job lined up? I want to. I want to get to. You know, what was what was that first move work wise when you came down here, and how did you really start to tap into that? You know, startup scene. Early days of that startup scene here in Miami.
1: I was lucky. I was working for Flowers still when I came here. I kind of right, right, right. Do the whole work from home thing. Back I wasn't a thing in 2012. I kind of read the uh, Tim Ferriss hack sheet of like, hey, start with one day a week and see how it goes and show them how, yeah, how good it. you were that one day you're home. And they kind of saw that and said, okay, well, you know, go, go to Florida, do our thing from home and, and just keep, you know, driving some dollars. So I did that for three years while I was here. Um, and eventually, I kind of got, I wanted to get more involved in Miami's, you know, startups. And it was just kind of getting its thing together. Um, I had met their early founders at, at, at New Tropic and I loved what they were doing as far as the community development that they were working on. And I saw an opportunity to kind of do this around the country um just so happened i was looking for someone to help me do that and i was like yeah, you know what i'll take a chance um so i left my cushy six-figure job to go take a job at a startup with some equity which is you know a hard thing to do hard, sometimes a hard pill to swallow probably would have been, in new york i probably would have never have done it but in miami is much cheaper to live um cost of living is much better at the time here um so okay. i t- took the chance and it's an adventurous ever because i've learned so much i put it in my hands and endure with with them and kind of doing a thousand jobs at once um, and being a pass on to other entrepreneurs, and other investors actually kind of like bridge that community as well. So I've always taken it upon myself to kind of build a community here, whether it's through media or through events or just through network building. Um, it kind of came naturally, I think, both of us as very we younger doing that for like our friends. Um, but then I was like, all right, I could do this professionally too. Um, I didn't do, do too much of that back when I was in New York either. It wasn't like a professional thing for me, like be a networker. Um, but here it just kind of like took shape think uh i think that all the things kind of made sense finally for
0: it to happen it's it's so interesting too because i mean i mean we call a lot like you've been down the way like almost nine years um nine plus years and really early early stage like in the in the in the footings of of the miami tech scene and you've really kind of seen it all and i think that's a big reason why you're really entrenched um uh in it so like was that hard? Was that transition hard? Like what was, what was the hardest part about it? Was it the financial piece of it? Was it the uncertainty? Was it not getting the steady paycheck? What was the hardest part for you from going from the quote unquote, nine to five paycheck into that true startup, uh, you know, sometimes equity over cash world.
1: Mm, I wouldn't say it was, it wasn't hard for me because I love the work. So I loved, I was actually more excited to be in a startup than I was at a corporate company, a corporation, because you got to like, have the uh, the chance to, to not know how to do it and do it yourself. No one's just all like right. no, because there was no one. It's like all right, you don't know how to do this. Need to lie. Go figure it out, man. You know, hurry up and do it. Do it fast <laughs> and find out if it's gonna work. Um, so I didn't feel that I wasn't scared about it at all. I think I I worked for so long. I had a good career, right? So I kind of knew what I was doing a bit. I knew I was fine fine job if I did if it, if it didn't work out. Um, well, that's flowers, a resourcefulness, right?
0: That's a scrappy resourcefulness that 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 you have. That you know that you have. Like you may not have that plan b um but you always know if you have to that you you'll you have the resourcefulness and the ability to do that the survival instincts
1: i mean i had and nothing so that, as that a period. kid right no, i had nothing so I was like i could always find a job selling something right I'll, I'll go sell you cars if I have to you know it's not it's not like I'm gonna eat that i don't really care if i can make money in one way I'll do it um you know if have to go that route but i think that a lot of folks don't want to take those kind of steps back in their career so they get really worried about doing that but um, I have no, no fear of that. I never
0: have. I love it. And, that, and that's something that's so unique. And, uh, and I think a lot of people don't have it and they have to harness that. And that's definitely a competitive advantage. Um, and we're going to talk to Max and Brian a little bit about Miami and the Miami tech scene. But you are Mr. Miami. Like you literally are Mr. Miami. And why, why is Miami so special to you? What's so great about it? Like why do you love Miami?
1: Miami for me has been the most welcoming place to be. Ever, I mean, like, I got here, I didn't know anybody, and everyone kind of said, yes, come on into our world, like, tell us what you're about, and tell us how you can add value, and, and you're in. Um, it's very, for me, it was, it seemed like almost like a, a very welcoming place to be, and it continues to be that. We all want to have folks who are new here get involved in our community and, and share what they know. Um, I think that's what we, we're really seeing now is, like, folks who do get involved that are new here are helping us all level up. You know, folks have been through a lot of stuff that we've never seen in Miami before, bringing that knowledge here. When the knowledge transfer comes, that's when things really start to take off. Um, for a long time, they haven't had many founders who have been here; they weren't really around. So, when you get it, people who have been here and they've had you know these like huge companies, they can tell you how they built it. That really means a lot. Um, so that's why it's exciting for me. Is that like we're here, we're, we're ready, open arms, and we're like, come, come, bring it, come yeah. get involved. Like here's a here's your place. You know, we're not going to kind of like keep your hands you know off itself. Um, I, I love yeah. it. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah, I love it, and and yeah, Max, we're we're having a little bit of audio. I'm not sure what's happening here. I think they were messing with my building a little bit earlier in the day with the with the cable. It's always like that, right? Like whenever, of course, you're doing a live show or recording, and I invested in a great like ISDN line, and they're like, "Yeah, we're we're messing with the with the the wires." I'm like, "No, don't do it today." So I, I, I do apologize for that, Chris. What what sucks about Miami? What's some of the challenges down there? What makes it hard to to live and work down there? What's some of the obstacles?
1: um what what makes it hard i mean there's a lot going on there's so much, so much so much fun going on so the fun part can distract people if you don't have that good kind of base of like you know being very focused and you get distracted easily you can get distracted here um, i think all of us who have had success have been very focused on what we're doing and we can easily separate the fun from the work um or make the fun your work which i think i've done a pretty good job of doing um so it's i think a that's place. a skill you have to learn um i think you have to really understand how to kind of like you know time managed a big thing for
0: us here. Not getting caught um, up in, in the scene the whole time. Yeah. Managed. I mean,
1: that's what most people kind of like have a, have a, have a problem with here and they meet the wrong people and they get sucked into it. Ah, so.
0: that's, 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 that's a bad one. So I'd be remiss if I didn't ask about your shirts. I would love if you could just spend a minute. <laughs> Anybody that knows Chris, and one of the really cool things, every time I see Chris, it's always around my birthday and I've, I should have worn one today. Why did I not do that? I don't know why I didn't think about that. Um, tell us, tell us really quickly the backstory on the shirts that you wear, the colorful, awesome shirts.
1: Yeah, I found this, my, my wife found one in a garage sale and it became my fast my favorite shirt. Uh, and the back end, like, I think it was like, it was, I know the day, it was December 1st, 2016. It was the beginning of Art Basel. I decided to wear them like all the art parties and like, everyone was like, I love that shirt, man. I'm like, great, I'm gonna keep wearing these shirts forever now, I <laughs> think, because it was just like instantaneous, like kind of like calling card to like, it's a you know, hey, talk to me, right? It's like an easy way to kind of like get remembered and like have a way to kind of like, hey, I'm I'm happy, I'm open, let's just talk about whatever you want to talk about. Um and then like six months after that, my dad lost his memory and I started like he didn't know who anybody was, but he remembered my shirts. So I'm like, all right, now I'm studies forever. Um eventually I has memory back, which is which is good. Um but it became a thing. You know, it became a easy way for people to know who you are. It's super comfortable. They kinda of go with everything. Yeah. Breathable fabric. Yeah, and then uh I forgot how I found out about this brand. Um I remember I met um I met the uh the old manager of Earth and Fire. Um what's his name? Chef Gordon. You know Chef Gordon? I've heard the name. Yeah, he's he's an amazing guy. It was online. Oh, I... And uh I was staying online at his birthday party to get food and He he's like, Hey, is that a jam shirt I like Yeah, I can know that. See, my neighbor owns a company, like, you he owns a company. Great, oh, can I was like, perfect. He's like, actually it's, it's a lady. I was like, cool. It's like, but then that was kind of like, I talked to them all the time and, you know, kind of jam on ideas about new shirt designs and whatnot. So yeah, I it's been it. fun. I give a, a, a bunch of shirts away too. So you have a bunch. Yeah.
0: You guys got to see Chris's closet. It, it's certainly colorful. And Chris, you mentioned, you mentioned your dad and I know how close you were. And I've been lucky enough to, you know, have spent some time with him. I think we went to a couple of baseball games and, you know, you know, he passed away last year and I know how proud he was of you. And I know that he's looking down even more proud every single day. What is what is what is that that key lesson that your dad taught you that you apply every single day? That mantra, that thing that you repeat that your dad taught you?
1: My my dad is the most giving person in the whole world. Like he had not much and he gave it to him and asked for it um he told me what that really means to be you know to be giving and be happy to, to do it you know he gave his time to everybody and you know, every money he had he gave it away to people um he just wanted to be part of someone's life he wanted to really be the person to help someone else kind of like accomplish what they're working on or need help with if, if he could so you know he gave his life up for me he would work at nighttime all night at, at home depot and cvs to then come daytime to take me in digital practice and like practice all day when i was a kid so like he would give up everything just for me. What's that? Selfless. He was totally selfless. Yeah, and, I, and that I, is what I like carry on to this day. That's why I do what I do because you just can't not do it. It's like if you have the opportunity to help somebody out, and it takes you five minutes of your day. Just go do that. You know, it's just like it's not a big lift for you to kind of do that. I do that maybe twenty times a day. So it's like I'll spend two three hours just making an email introduction, and that
0: and that makes you that's so happy. Much. That's such a, a tremendous lesson. And on the heels of that, you know, when you think about legacy and, you know, your two boys, Ryder and Booker, um, what, what do you want your legacy to be? What do you want to be remembered by? How do you want to be remembered?
1: I want folks to remember how they felt when they talked to me, how they really, how I made them feel and how I helped. Maybe if I helped them or whatever I did for them or, you know, just how they, how they it made them feel and they passed that on. You know, hopefully it's a good feeling. Uh, I think all of us should strive for that. You know, kind of remember that how you made someone else feel. Um, and I think that my, my children hopefully see the way I treat them and how I treat other people around them. And that I think is pretty much easy to rub off. You know, if you just see it enough, you see how to act around folks and you see how to build a really a great community of people that, you know, often wouldn't know each other. I think it's super important too. So, you know, that's Tremendous. been my, my, my life's goal.
0: And, and Chris last and last, but not least, before I get to Max and Brian who are waiting so patiently, you know, you've had some really tough, hard times in your life. And you look back on those times at those moments, and I've been there through some of them with you, and you've had to reach down and, and really you know, harness that inner tenacity, that fire to pull you up and drive you forward. And on the flip side of, ba- sat, flip side of that, right now, where you're sitting, high on life, beautiful wife, two beautiful boys, <laughs> and you want to show gratitude, how do you keep yourself focused? What is your compass? Chris Adama, what is your North Star?
1: <laughs> My new York star is like, I always feel like I've never done enough actually. So it's like I always feel like I'm starting from zero, which is a good place to be. It keeps you hungry. Like I'm always like thinking, like, oh, you know, whatever I've done in the past hasn't hasn't been like, you know, what I thought it was gonna be. <laughs> it's always like you get to a plateau, you like, oh, I could do way more than this, and you should keep going after it. Um and I think that once you you keep the attitude of like, you know, I can always do a little bit more or you know, try something else help something us out, um you you, you never get bored, you never feel like you're kind of like, you know, done. So you always have time to kind of reinvent and, and, and keep learning. I mean, that's the ferocity of me is like I'm always curious. I'm always asking questions, learning more about other people, and then, you know, things spark off and you have a new project on your hands. So, you know, talk to a bunch of strangers.
0: Love it. There, there, there we have it. Uh, Chris, I want to thank you so much for joining me. We're going to hang tight. We're going to transition in a moment here. But, Chris, where could folks find you? Where could they connect with you directly? What's the best way?
1: Could you DM me on Twitter, at Chris Adamo, um, or on, on uh, LinkedIn as well. Easy to find me. The two active ones.
0: I love it, Chris. Thanks for for joining me on the solo show here. So let's let's transition this one. I'm going to bring in Max and Brian now. Here we go. There we go. There's hey, our friends. There's our Family Feud. There we go. It's like, or it's more like the Brady Bunch. <laughs> yeah, Hollywood Squares. But we don't have a center square. I need like Jim J. Bullock in the center square. That was, that was an old reference. I don't even know where I pulled that one from. Brian and Max, welcome to the show. Welcome, welcome to the podcast. Brian. How you guys How's doing? doing?
3: Thanks. Good. I'm not sure when to jump in. I feel like the... We'll we'll, we'll get there. So
0: let's do a a, a quick uh, round. Let's start, ladies, first. Uh, Max, uh, you are the CEO and co-founder of Caribou. Did I say that right? An interactive video calling platform that helps kids have virtual play dates with family and friends. That had to be pretty uh, robust during the pandemic.
3: We did pretty well. (laughs)
0: That's awesome. Why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, the app and what it's all about and what are you you up to down in Miami?
3: Yeah. Uh, So as you mentioned, we bring families together through virtual playdates. And as you all can imagine, we 10X the company in 24 hours uh, as the pandemic started here in the U.S. and almost a billion kids were out of school across the globe. Um, And the reason why Caribou 10X is because there's nothing like us. Right. You can FaceTime with a child, but they get bored immediately. Uh, there's nothing to do with them. You can only ask them so many questions. Uh, you know, there's not so much going on in a five-year-old's life that you can keep a conversation going for much longer than about oh, I know. five seconds. Um, and, and in-person playdates just weren't a thing in 2020. Um, and so we really brought that virtual playdate or that playdate, that in-real-life playdate that people wanted to do to to the virtual space so you could read together you could turn the pages you could play you could draw you could play tic tac toe you could do activities you could do turn based card games um, and we actually had grandparents writing in to say I've never spent two hours on the phone with my grandkid like I had to I had to cut it off
0: that's amazing um,
3: so yeah it's been it's been a pretty wild year and a half. <laughs>
0: And that's that's awesome. Right Right time and right place. And we'll dig in a little bit more. But Brian Brackeen, uh, general uh, partner at Lightship Capital. How you doing, man? Good to see you. Welcome. Welcome. And we were talking a little bit before. Uh, Chris, you know he's a C- big Cincinnati Reds fan over there. He's a Cincinnati guy uh, down here. And our New York Mets are playing the Reds starting tonight. So. yeah. Uh, oh. I'm trying to get Adam
2: to fly from New York to Cincinnati this weekend to watch the game. I would love to do
0: that. I would take any excuse to get to it, And we'll we'll hit up the uh, baseball tour next year. Um, But, Brian, uh, quick introduction. Tell us a little bit about uh, Lightship Capital. Tell us about some of the companies that you invest in there. What do you guys do?
2: So we're Lightship Capital. We invest in women and minorities uh, in the Midwest and the South. Um, These are folks that are unlikely to get the fair share of investment. And these are geographies. They're unlikely to get their fair share investment. So when you focus on these two things together, you get better results than other people. That's the thesis, and so far, I love to it to be true. The maxes of the world, are where the dollars really need to go. I love that. Um, Preach. Yeah. <laughs> like, I believe
0: there. that too. <laughs> and, 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 if, and, if, and if anybody, if anybody <laughs> wants to, and if anybody wants to uh, really dig into their full bios, you can find them all on LinkedIn. But I'm not going to use our precious time into that. They are both uh, incredible, incredible. Uh, Backgrounds and definitely check them out there. So let's jump in. We're talking about Miami Tech here. I'm sitting here in New York. Uh, you guys are down south over there. But Max, are you? How long have you been in Miami for? Are you a lifelong Miamian? Miamian, is that the right way to say that, Chris? Miamian.
3: Sure. Yeah. Um, not only am I a lifelong Miami, I was born and raised here. One of the very few that actually like legitimately was born at a hospital in Miami.
0: <laughs> that that is rare. And so you've seen it all. You've seen it. You've seen it. You've seen it all come and go. Um, how, why Why is Miami such a hotbed right now? Why is it such a great place for folks to not just start a company, but to to live and really build that community around
3: that? I have like 1,345 reasons, so I'll keep it short. How about top two? Yeah. Uh, one... Miami, we're called the magic city because we reinvent ourselves, right? It's a city that's constantly in transition. Uh, It's a city where you can come here and you can make it in a way that you don't necessarily have that same access or that seat at the table or uh, that type of community in other places. That's number one. Number two, I think Miami is the place, and I remember Chris was saying, like, the only thing that sucks about Miami is you can get really distracted, is it's an amazing place to live and work right we don't have a winter so there is no kind of period where people just don't want to leave their house or it gets dark early like you 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 kind of work and play almost too much um, but that's a real big opportunity and a competitive advantage i think we have
0: so it's almost you know 24/7 365 networking and socialization it's funny too in in new york you know pre covid there was a little bit of a low where people like, you know, it's freezing. I don't want to go out to that event. I don't want to go meet those people. But, you know, in, in South Florida, you really don't have uh, much of an excuse. And before the boom, right, Chris and I always kind of joke about it. I'm like, damn, I wish I got in that Woodenwood real estate game. You know, <laughs> by the time I even heard about it, I was probably five years too late um, uh, to it. But, but Brian, let me ask you this. Are we, are we hitting a saturation point yet?
2: Or so I have a, I have a competing thesis one about distraction uh, than Chris and Max, though that's never a good place to be because they're almost uh, often right. So I was <laughs> saying to you in a previous conversation, New York has as many things to do as any city in the world, right? Broadway shows, museums, restaurants, literally as many attractions as anywhere. And yet somehow you guys find a way to work. Why is it that we as Canadians are <laughs> it's so laudable that we actually get our work done? And it's assumed that New Yorkers get their work
0: done. I don't know, but I'm going to ask Chris because Chris has spent uh, a lot of time growing up as a native New Yorker. And I think, Max, would you give Chris like an honorary Miamian Miamian status or is he close to it?
2: Yeah.
3: Well, Chris and I are both dual citizens of Miami and New York.
0: Right. That's right. We have both. And and
3: Miami is the sixth borough. I
0: mean, more than Staten Island. Right, yeah, go to Maybe Staten we're Island, football, then. I'm for Brooklyn. I can sell Staten Island all I want. Look, yeah, I, used, kind of do. I used to work for like Mayor Queens. Bloomberg,
3: and I always said, "Give Staten Island to j- Jersey, and South <laughs> can be the fifth borough." <laughs> it was not a popular opinion, but
0: yeah that, that that doesn't that doesn't really go over well. But you know when, you, oh man, um, but that's an interesting one. So Brian, you're splitting time in Cincinnati. What's the scene like there? Good. Is Good. there a
2: scene? I think I think what happened somewhere in the last five years is. All those things that we all like about Dumbo happened in every other city. Right. All the yeah. restaurants, all the vibe, all the coffee shops that we thought were very cool about Dumbo now exist in literally Indianapolis and Cincinnati and Chicago. Right.
0: Once that coffee goes over the five dollar mark, that's when you know you're in it. That's, in it to win it. that's a barometer. Five dollars <laughs> for so- the small coffee. That's kind of like the 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 metric there. But Chris, let oh. me ask you this. What is what's Miami missing right now that could make it better from the the entrepreneurial infrastructure ecosystem, is it missing something or is it more of an evolution that it's going in the right track?
1: I think what Brian said, we need to fund more folks of
0: different backgrounds and women.
1: And that's not happening enough in Miami. You're um,
0: still seeing the same folks
1: get money, actually, I think. So it's strange. Um, so I want to see more of that. Um, I want to see more of the folks who are new here to really lean into it and uh, really start doing that.
0: But Max, let me ask you a question kind of built on that with all the success and uh, the property values and the rent and the homes like literally going off the grid to almost New York prices. Are we seeing like an opposite effect there where it's really affecting the influx of new, younger, more diverse talent to Miami? Or is there enough properties out there? Is there enough maybe, you know, real estate a little bit further on the outskirts that might make it work? What are you feeling? What are you seeing down there?
3: Unfortunately, the influx that I've seen has been kind of on the funding side of the funnel. It really hasn't been talent. I think Miami really prices you out if you're kind of a um, at, at a certain level. And I mean, prices you out in the places you want to live, right? The, you can live in the Everglades. It's affordable. But no one wants to live in the Everglades, unfortunately. Awesome. And I think, yeah, and I... I think that um, again, I, I just want to impress upon like what Chris or I guess double down on what Chris and, and Brian said, which is uh, I think a lot of the influx has been uh, I'll just say it super tech broy, y um, and they're bringing a lot of the same habits that mm. they had back then. They're not really focused on women and minorities, which Brian knows the secret sauce and all the research shows that investing in and partnering with women and minorities provides better returns. So um, so we're hoping that more of the new people come in and realize the amazing capital that's already been built here in Miami, um, and tries to invest in that before thinking about um, bringing in outside, uh, talent as well.
0: That, that, that's tremendous there. And it's also created an interesting dynamic with the pandemic, right? Where a flood of the folks who have the money and the ability to just pick up and leave and Where money's not an option, they could take any of these apartments and any of these houses that might have been a little bit more affordable, you know, 18-19 months ago. I mean, that's kind of the problem there. Brian, I'm... I want to
3: uh, I don't know. Miami's just never been super affordable.
0: <laughs> no, no, I mean it depends. You know, you could go on the on a little bit of the outskirts there. But Brian, uh, Max is referring to this secret sauce without giving away, you know, the, the Coke Pepsi KFC secret formulas there. Tell us a little bit from a from a uh, a teamwork culture people kind of building experience as a people leader yourself. And you've seen this with, you know, hyper growth startups. What, what is that? What is that sauce? What is that that base layer that really lays a great foundation for a company to build people the right way?
2: Well, one of the interesting things is no matter what your background, I'm an African-American from Philly. Chris is from New York. We're all Latin We you moved to Miami, right? No. We all start talking about cafecito. It was a kissing yeah. each other the cheek. Everyone's
0: got an and, accent.
2: Exactly. Exactly. So that Latin, sometimes Cuban, sometimes Colombian, Venezuela, but that that spice really makes us very, very collaborative. We we truly, like if I saw these two, it would be a huge hug. Um, and it wouldn't be that way in other cities. Uh, you know, it's the handshake versus the hug. The hug goes, goes a long,
0: long, long way. We missed hugging. Chris, you missed hugging? Oh, yeah. I hug. We, we hug. We haven't stopped in Miami. I don't think we ever stopped.
3: So, I didn't leave my house until I was vaccinated because I'm a hugger. And I was like, <laughs> until I am like fully two weeks post the second vaccination shot, like I'm not leaving my house because I will see someone and I will want to hug them. And I just wanted to be safe.
0: I love it. Max, I want to talk a little bit about the tech that you built over at Caribou and how it really blossomed, uh, you know, during the pandemic. One of my big clients and and I, I work in recruiting here is a, a wine, direct-to-consumer wine company that literally 10x in the first Uh, in in the first 90 days, and it was incredible to watch. Um, Is this a tech that's going to stick around for a long time, or are you going to see a little bit of a tail-off now that we go back to being together?
3: Well, think about it, right? Every single parent in the world just spent 12 to 18 months at their home with their kids building daily habits of reading, drawing, and playing together. Like there was no way around that for the past 12 to 18 months. So as the world opens back up, as parents go back to kind of a hybrid travel for work, you know, travel, uh, you know, grandparents are not visiting as much. You know, there was kind of like a market correction after the pandemic. Like every grandma started traveling, which was great. But we're going to go back to a world where people are separated by distance. And they've built these habits where they've been kind of Doing stuff together, they're going to need a virtual option. I actually am really even more bullish on post pandemic caribou uh, as we keep those connections alive and um, and going.
0: Well, retention's got to be key, right? Retention and pre- and preventing you know attrition on on the app and the product and, and keeping it there. Um, what what tech you know what what type of tech is is missing specifically in the Miami scene? What are you guys seeing there? Whoever wants to take it, is there is there a gap? Is there, is there an over-index on, on one type of, you know, types of companies? Or, you know, is there, is there a real opportunity that's being missed here? And tell it to me just in my ear so I could go do it and invest in it. <laughs> Brian, what are you seeing down there? What are you, what are you not seeing?
2: I don't see. I, I don't see a gap. Um, I think that we could use more AI practitioners, right? So everyone puts AI in everything. Or at least they say they do right so um it's nice when you can have more folks that do ai in town by the way bias i am an ai person so of course i see the world that way um but i can't think of a sector that we're kind of light on maybe insurance tech does that matter you know do we have to have it no
0: no yeah big 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 news today uh um uh, matt higgins and gary vaynerchuk's uh uh baby uh, i think it's called keen i forgot the name of it uh big insurance <laughs> director yeah ken direct-to-consumer startup uh in that space Chris, how is the city of Miami, the state of Florida, really best supporting uh, the startup scene down there? And what are the opportunities where they might be missing the mark?
1: Um, I mean, we've always had a great support system for our city. I mean, we got our first dollars from my Foundation to start our company, and that wasn't happening for me in New York. Um, I've always seen every here who works in, even the government say, hey, we're, we're down to like have your ideas presented. And use the city they, they will they're open to using it so it's always in a place you kind of like can get things started from zero to one pretty fast um, if you just kind of like you know have a good idea show up on time and execute it um, so I, I think it's actually one of the best places to, to do it because no one's gonna say no which is great
0: interesting Max Brian any other thoughts perspectives on maybe some of the best practices that you've seen you know the the city the county and the state that could be applied elsewhere of how they're really supporting the the founders the employees the scene
3: i'll say um i think outside of the ecosystem builders right like it's a super collaborative woman and diverse led community and as chris was saying earlier like we really embrace each other we take care of each other we support each other we clap loudly for each other it's something i've never seen in any other tech tech ecosystem. Like I've worked in SF, I've worked in New York, I've worked in like DC, like every other tech ecosystem just does not have this magic. And I have to say like building and growing a company is so effing hard. And to, to like have a collaborative community around you, it actually does make it a little bit easier. Um, and so for any women or diverse led founders, like come to Miami, like we will embrace you. We will support you. We will help you because we recognize that a rising tide like raises all boats.
0: I, I I love it. So let's let's dig in a little bit about that. And and Max, how many how many folks are on the Caribou team?
3: Uh, we're about twelve now. We ten we three xed the the team last year when we ten xed the company.
0: And how many of them are you know <laughs> on site in Miami? And how many of them are remote? If you don't mind sharing.
3: Yeah. Um, so we've always been a globally distributed company even before the pandemic. To me, it's more important to get the right person than to get them in Miami. Uh, but funny story: fifty percent of our team is actually in Florida. Randomly, and four of us are in Miami. So um, it just kind of happened that way. But I think we're in a world, and I even believe this before the pandemic. Uh, Also, we're building a virtual video calling, you know, kind of community. If we can't do it and we can't build culture through video call as a team, then practice what you preach. We have (laughs) no business doing it. (laughs) You got you Um, as a company. Uh, So, so yeah. Oh, that. So
0: what's so what's your secret sauce to, to maintaining culture within your own organization with everyone being remote? I mean, how do you keep it strong? How do you keep the 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 passion, the 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 vibes? How do you keep it all together when everyone being remote?
3: Um, I think it's really important that you hire for remote, right? I think it's it's a specific type of interview and it's a specific type of thing that you're looking for for someone who can be managed remotely who can work independently remotely and who can build culture remotely and then i think it's hyper communication and uh hyper trust radical kind of candor um and really attacking the problem not the person because when you build that type of culture across video call then you never kind of have to worry that people kind of aren't in the same place or they can't connect um so you kind of you have to build that infrastructure and then bring on the right people to facilitate
0: that. So let me let me dig in here and I'll get to Brian and Chris I'm in here, but Max, let me follow up with that. So when you're interviewing folks, what are kind of those go-to questions to really understand if someone has, and they are soft skills, because by the time someone gets to you, 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 you can probably tell on paper that they have those hard skills that you're looking for, but what are those soft skills to really ascertain if someone has the ability to work well remotely, to really be independent, to be you know autonomous as much as possible? What are some of those questions or conversations that you're trying to get to in that video interview?
3: Yeah, unfortunately you can't like just ask someone. It's like asking a customer, would you pay me for this? Everyone's Are you good lie. at working
0: remotely? Sure, yeah. I'm in. I'm good. exactly
3: right. Everyone's like, oh yeah, I'm awesome at it. I <laughs> So um one of the things that I think is at the heart of being able to work remotely is um is actually are you able to take feedback? Um and this is weird, right? But there's kind of like an uh can you work on things independently? Do you know how to reach out to people uh, at the right time, or do you know how to kind of manage your own milestones? I think that's really important. You can't really always test that. Um, But one of the things you can test is, can they take feedback well and especially remotely? So we end up doing two role plays. Uh, so the first role play, uh, I, I kind of put them in this very uncomfortable situation. I see how they react, and again, you're kind of seeing like at the toughest time. I mean, that's really what you want to know, right? And the, you're the, toughest, stress test. the toughest, you're
0: stress testing them.
3: Yeah, well, you're stress testing them, and you're also like, are they going to turn off their video? Are they going to walk away? Are they going to? Uh, are they anyway? So you do the first role play, um, you make them really uncomfortable, and then you say, how do you think you did? So you're testing for kind of like self awareness. Um, that's always interesting. And then you give them feedback, positive and, and kind of critical feedback on what they can improve. And then you do a second role play and see if they incorporated the feedback that you gave them into that second role play. And I think you get to kind of some character things that you need to be able to work independently and to take feedback from someone remotely to be able to be in a weird zoom situation. Um, so that's one of the things we do to kind of test.
0: That's tremendous, there. and and Brian, as somebody who is gauging, let me ask you this: Do you agree with the statement as an investor? Do you bet on the the jockey and not the horse?
2: Mm, talk about this a lot. There's actually three levels.
0: And no offense to jockey or horses. This is not <laughs> politically correcting. We're just making a freaking analogy here.
2: <laughs> there's the there's the jockey, the horse, and actually, and the field as well. So, oh, why do you got to throw that factor in there? Yeah. <laughs> just a little extra, little extra. They The it field is, things, yes. is the industry right? Right, the jockey horse, I think, are quite obvious. Um, it's always jockey, absolutely. Um, but you also do want a good field to kind of help that person. So Max talked about the pandemic, you know, three Xing her business, right? That's the field got better for her, um, and so she's already the right jockey. She's already on the right horse, and it just it really, really goes. And so when you can find those three things together, like caribou, like you see some great
0: success. That that That's tremendous there. And 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 Brian, why is Miami the best place to start a business in your opinion? Miami mean, is
2: absolutely the best place to start a business for uh, a few reasons. Um, number one, tax, obvious, everyone knows that. Yeah. We, we don't have it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> taxes, we don't need no taxes. Taxes,
2: that's we'll for other like states. Um, number two, actually access to talent is quite good, or getting someone to move or access to remote based on the time zone that you're in. All three of those things are all in Miami's uh, favorite from Latin America to access to Europe markets easier. Yeah, you name it. Investment dollars is starting to not be a thing. I think myself, Max, even Chris, we have spent the first five, I say, from 2012 to 2016, trying to convince somebody like, oh yeah, you love me, great. You love the company, great, we're Miami. Oh, I don't know wow. about that. You're, you guys aren't doing any work, we, what, what, right? So we have to sell ourselves, our companies, and our geography, and in Rex's case, and gender, and race. I not going you know, just keep that, like- There's it's a lot. very, very difficult, there's, right?
3: There, and a- so
2: that's starting to change. At least that's one less thing we've got to answer for because Twitter has now shown people that, that Miami's a great place. So I'll, I'll stop there, but I think that's- like, that's
0: funny
1: you say that brian i'm raising money now for our company and they're asking you how many investors do you have in miami right now that's the question they're asking so now
0: now the tide is well, turning. Like,
1: no one's investing in miami we're not investing in your company and that's crazy i'm like that's, what
0: that that's that's tremendous christian but let me ask you this question we talked about it early on in our one-on-one interview there um how do you pay it forward with everything that you've experienced and learned, I know you guys do a lot of of pro bono networking and and other pieces. there, But how do you how do you personally pay it forward? How do you take people under your wings, uh, some newbies to the community, newbies to Miami? How do you, how do you really um, do that? How do you pay it forward?
1: Yeah, I mean, we started with doing this happy every Wednesday, which has been amazing to get people who are new here to meet who have been here for a long time, and uh, that seems to be I me. Mean, they go in small small pieces, that folks kind of like plug into what's happening here. Uh, getting even like college kids to find internships, and you know, getting investors to see young startups. Um, I think it's important to kind of like be that uh, the whole space for folks like that to give them a place to be. Like, it's going to happen every week. Like, it's good to have that kind of like mainstay. Um, and then I'm always like you know happy to make like a quick ten minute phone call to someone and they have a thing they're working on and I can be helpful in some way, but like, the introduction to someone else that can invest in them or someone can work for them or even just advice on what they're, what they're doing. So you know, those like mini mentorships really
3: really mm-hmm. help.
0: And it's a hotbed of, uh, of of universities down there. There's just a, a plethora <laughs> of schools down there. Max, how do, you, how do you pay it forward? How do you get back?
3: Yeah, unfortunately, I don't have time uh, for calls anymore with other founders. I used to really enjoy those, but unfortunately, my calendar has gotten so insane. So one of the things that I've been now doing is trying to make sure that there's a seat at the table for every diverse voice in Miami. One of the things that has frustrated me for many years is the amount of mannels that we have uh, in Miami mm-hmm where, and also because we're in Miami, everyone's like, oh, it's diverse. It's all Latino males, but they're white presenting. So you take a picture of them, you put it on Twitter. It just looks like a bunch of white guys on a panel. No one knows that they're Venezuelan, Colombian, and Cuban. Um, And even when people add me as a woman, as a Latina, I'm also white presenting. So I'm very conscious now of, is there a black voice at the table? And if there isn't, I will excuse myself and make sure that I recommend someone who I think would be excellent for the conversation and will move the conversation forward. Love that. And and that person's voice will, you know, needs to be heard by that audience. Um, so I'm trying to do more of that now cause it's something I have time for.
0: And that's, and that's tremendous too. I a uh, a few months back I interviewed, uh, Laura Manis, who's the CEO of Havas New York here, a big agency. And she said something very similar that she's been giving up her seats at panels and conversations if she sees it's underrepresented. And that's and that's absolutely, absolutely tremendous. So, quick round robin here on two questions as we bring it home. Um, Brian, who's who's been your best mentor in your career and why? Uh,
2: not direct, but it worked for Steve Jobs. Learned so much. about how Steve Jobs. This guy. Oh, he, that, that he, guy. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Computer firm.
0: Yeah. Name <laughs> dropper. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. A fruit company. Um, but yeah. Amaz- amazing guy because he could make anyone, including a very, very independent person work for him, do exactly what he'd hoped, and even run through a glass wall, just because he willed it. And so that's a gift um, that I think that I learned a lot from.
0: Chris, same question. And so uh, my two dads,
2: my, my dad and, and
1: my wife's dad, Randy, that dad Louis, who I think Max knows very well, and Brian, you've met Louis maybe once or twice. Big Lou. Um, they've taught me how to be a good human, how to be philanthropic, how to work really hard, how to think about all people who are part of this equation. Um, and that's been for me. I take everything I do to business, to relationships, to everything.
0: I love it, Max. Who's been your best mentor in your career and life?
3: Unfortunately, I can't pick one. I like literally stand on the shoulders of giants. I mean, it goes from my guidance counselor in high school who wouldn't let me drop out to you know my first boss at the mayor's office to my business school professor uh, to you know people that I'd literally anyone. I, it's it's a community, right? It's uh, it's a tribe. It's a tribe of people who have looked out for me, uh, have opened doors, have pushed me through doors, have prepared me to walk through doors. Like, I'm just so grateful uh, to all of those people.
0: I love it. I, I call it my Mount Rushmore, and I also use my, my <laughs> tribe. I have my my Mount Rushmore um, of, of mentors there. Chris, where is Miami 10 years from now? And hopefully not underwater. Um, oh, man. <laughs> I was like, the-
3: don't say it. Don't Say it. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm a it stark
0: New York that? Jew. That's what we do here. We it's make jokes like that. Adam. So no we're we're represent. I am representing New York here as a stereotype. But Chris, seriously, Miami 10, 10 years from now is it is it still the place to be? Is it even bigger and better?
1: Yes, yes. It's getting bigger and better. It'll resemble more like you know this place you know in New York. It'll be like more like that. You know, we'll have we're growing as a city. We're very young, hundred years old. So like think about hundred years you know that we, we're missing out on infrastructure being built people are coming here talents coming here like it's all coming together at, at, you know as it should so it's going to be much more mature it's going to resemble the future the, the city of the future that we all probably need to have in its, in, its, in its level of diversity um and also you know i think it will adjust to climate so that's going to be a thing we're going to continue to kind of keep that in mind right? you have to build around what's happening and that people always in that we've been very malleable we're kind of like we know it's going to happen we've had our, Hurricanes happen here every couple of years, and it can be tremendously hard to get around. So, I think you're going to
2: see a lot of folks start to pay attention to to, to that and kind of build around it.
0: Tremendous, Brian. Where do you see Miami in 10 years?
2: Uh, number one, New Yorkers will be standing in a literally like four feet of water, asking Miamians about uh, tidal flooding. I I, I I don't
0: understand. In the subway, have you seen those videos from last week? What it happened?
3: happened. Just, like, lady,
0: just wait. Yeah. Wait for, for the rains to stop. The train's not even running. Why are you even trying to get down there? You're crazy. Glass
3: houses. <laughs> Glass house, so.
0: It rains a lot here in July.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think Miami will continue to be diverse. Some people are worried about people coming in, and I actually am too. I agree with everything Mike said about the bro culture. They need to do more investing in its diverse founders. But no one can change Miami. We're always no. going to be ourselves. We've never wanted to be another city. And, and I think you'll see that 10 years from now. It's just something so quintessentially, hopefully more fair, more diverse, more equitable, and just show the world what you can do when you invest in everyone.
0: I love it. Max, 10 years, you got the crystal ball in front of you. What's happening down there?
3: So again, as someone who was born and raised here, I have seen Miami in the eighties. I've seen it in the nineties, the aughts, I think you call it, the tens, the, i I've, I've seriously seen decades here in Miami and I don't think you can predict what Miami is going to look like in 10 years. Like if you had asked me even uh, in 2010, what would Miami look like in 2020? I could have never predicted what it would look like today. And it shifts and it changes. And that's what I love about Miami is that it reinvents itself and it molds itself. And it and it builds around the people that come here and the people that are currently building and the people that are are doing the work. Um, so I'm excited for what's going It might be, look a little more like water world, but uh, it's, it's going to be very uh it's going to be responsive to what's happening in in 2030
0: I love it and last but not least and I asked Chris this question uh in the upfront interview Brian what is the greatest piece of advice you've ever received that you take action on every single day hmm. wow
2: goes back to a mentor another mentor Manny Medina who's had a ton of success and written about a lot in the Miami scene basically ran the internet to Latin America, essentially, and then did a number of things after that, which is unbelievable. Um, uh, Never giving up, being tenacious, knowing kind of what you need to build, what you need to do, and just running in that direction, certainly being empathetic and listening, but having that North Star and knowing where that comes from. He's the king of that. Everyone knows those he is. Um, And, yeah, he taught me a lot in that regard.
0: I love it. And and Max, it's the same question. And and for me, and I talk about it all the time, this show and what I do here is my masterclass. I learned through osmosis and learning through great folks like you, Brian and, and Chris. But what is, what is that mantra every day when you wake up? What keeps you laser focused? What is that piece of advice that has just resonated with you for your entire life that you take action on every single day?
3: So it's not a piece of advice. Um, in fourth grade, I got really obsessed with the Nike slogan of just do it. And I don't know. There was something about it where it like literally made me feel like if someone else could do it, I could do it. Right. You can run a four minute mile. So can I probably if I worked at it, um, you can lift a school bus. Cool. I probably can do that, too. Like there is no limit to my like gender or my size or or my background. Like if you can if someone else, another human being can do it, I can probably do it, too.
0: I so love it. Good. That's that's tremendous. And and Chris, I want to thank you Um you know, for just being a great friend over the last 25 years and ultimately really doing be living your superpower as a connector and connecting all of us here and always thinking of others and adding value and, and giving back to people. Um, so I want to thank everyone on this panel here, Max, where can folks find you? Where can they connect with you? Where could they learn more?
3: Yeah. Uh, uh, well go to caribou.com dot U.com. I was like, I hate all social. uh, Twitter, Maxime M A X E link and, everybody
0: up too. And
3: Caribou and LinkedIn. I probably checked that. Maybe more. I don't
0: know. And do you know Brian hasn't connected with me on LinkedIn yet. So whenever I tag him, not just Brian B.
3: Awkward. Same, same.
2: Awkward turtle. Awkward I will turtle. It. I will do it after
0: this call. Yeah, the, the cool thing about having a show at this stage of the show is I could call people it. out and feel okay with it. It's my radical <laughs> candor back. But Brian, where could <laughs> Brian? Where can <could> folks <laughs> find you?
2: I have changed my name here. To, uh, oh, right. look at that. So, so at Brian on Twitter, good follow move. me there. I, I, I'm a spicy tweeter. And uh, I will also be right, adding Adam you. on LinkedIn as well.
0: Thank you so nice. much. I want to thank everybody here for joining us. Thank you, everyone at home. Thank you, everyone joining us on the replay. Thank you, everyone joining us on the podcast audio. You know where to find out more at thepodcast.com. Remember, if you like this episode, share it. It goes a long way. Please connect with everyone here. Show some love. We love you guys all. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. Chris, hang with me a moment. Max, Brian, Chris, thank you for joining me on the podcast. Take care, everybody, and we'll catch you next week for another great episode. Goodbye. Wisdom is forever, but for us, it's time to go.
1: Thank you for joining us. Luckily, we'll be back with our next episode soon, jam-packed with more incredible humans. Thank you for listening, subscribing, and sharing. To join the conversation, search The Podcast on LinkedIn. And to catch up on past episodes and more info, please visit www.thepausecast.com.